there is um, a common belief in Western, uh, let us call it the meditation culture. Mm -hmm. West, we can even go so far as to call it Western Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, there is a confusion there, and the confusion is the distinction between the internal and the external. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that the confusion has to be about the fact, uh, let's put it this way. There is a poem that is quite famous and uh, a favorite of the uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And that little prayer or poem says, grant me uh, the courage to change the things that I can change. The serenity to change the things that I cannot change. And the wisdom to know the difference. Have you ever heard of that little poem? Um... I think I've read it, but I forgot about it. <laughs> well, keep it in mind, because this is, in fact, the basic practice, mm -hmm. is to figure out what, and that's your wisdom, is to figure out the things that cannot be changed and are not worthy of change, or that the cost-benefit analysis is such that it's too expensive to try to change it. Okay and to change the things that you can change because the benefit is greater than the expense. Okay, I see. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. So this is where we're coming from right from the beginning. We have to understand that there is a cost-benefit analysis mm -hmm. of is it worth the effort or not? Okay. Because, in fact, there are a whole lot of what the Buddhist path is all about uh, in fact, you've heard of the Eightfold Noble Path, mm -hmm. that uh, some of the items on it uh, that we're going to kind of harp on or work with a lot, one of them is right effort. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're talking about not only what is the right effort to do the job, but even is the job worth doing or not. Okay. Okay, and some what you have heard that uh, only wants the breath, but that there's no worth, it's not worth the effort to try to change it or to modify it or to control it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is, in fact, one of the weak parts of the wisdom. Why? Because you can control the breath. There is benefit in learning to control the breath. Mm -hmm. And there is very little downside to it. Mm -hmm. But in fact, the only upside to allowing the breath just to be is then you don't have to put any effort in. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only thing that I can see as, mm -hmm. as to an advantage. Okay. Now, this mentality about uh, only watch the breath, but do not try to control it goes directly against the teachings of the Buddha. It goes directly against uh, uh, the expansion that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa has made on the Anapanasati Sutta. Mm -hmm. And recently I've come to see in print that it also goes against what actually Mahasi Savada taught. Okay. That what Mahasi Savada actually taught was that Whatever object that we're working with, and in Anapanasati, the beginning object is breathing, and breathing is always part of the object, but that there will be other objects, things to look at, things to note, mm -hmm. right, while we're noting the breath. So we actually are going to be paying attention to these things, and... Uh, that in doing so, when the Buddha is saying that, that this is actually a point of sati, or mindfulness. Mm -hmm. That we're actually going to put the effort that mindfulness actually takes to actually look, to investigate. Mm -hmm. And that's an important point, okay? Mahasi actually talks about it in the sense of whatever objects that we have with meditation, we're not going to keep it in the corner or up on some high shelf gathering dust. Mm -hmm. But rather he uses words that are translated in English as fall on or jump on. Mm -hmm. 
to okay. seize, to confront, mm -hmm. to grab hold of. They, these are the words that even Mahasi would say is the way that we work with the breath. Mm -hmm. And that the reason why we want to work with the breath in such a strong way is uh, with the ethology, the following, um, let us call it inductive logic. Mm -hmm. That if you can learn to control your breathing and you can learn to control the mind and learn to control the thoughts that you're having, then you can learn to control the way you feel. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot control your breathing and cannot control the thoughts in your mind and cannot control the thoughts or not control the mind at all, then the possibility of controlling the feelings is very remote. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So now we're looking in the direction of, well, if we're going to actually learn or seize the object and learn to take control of our feelings, then that would be a good thing in the sense would be uh, to ask you the question, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the kind of feelings that you want to have? Or would you rather have the kind of feelings that sneak up on you and make you feel sad, make you feel <laughs> angry, make you feel uh, afraid, make you feel uh, anxiety, confused? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather feel the way you want to feel? And if you did, would you feel that way? Or would you feel joyful? Would you feel happy? Would you feel satisfied? Would you feel secure? Mm -hmm. Would you feel uh, uh, as if you could get anything done, that you were the champion? If you could feel euphoria, would you choose to feel euphoria? In other words, can you control the feeling so that you can feel the way that you want to feel? knowing that sometimes euphoria is the best thing to feel right now, and at other times, just a passive, oh, this is really nice, kind of easygoing feeling. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And that those would be better feelings by your choice. I'm asking you because I'm not sure. Some people will actually choose what is normally referred to as bad feelings, sadness, anger, grief, despair, misery, fear, mm -hmm. So of of course uh, I would like to feel good. That's uh, okay. I would like to. But isn't that craving? Like maybe I had this obscuration in my mind, but I thought that you know if you don't crave for like feelings to come, then naturally these bad feelings will also not will cease of their own to the, because they appear and they as since they are conditioned phenomena they will. That's cease. an interesting thing. Okay. There is a difference, you might say, between craving for something that you don't have mm -hmm. and developing a skill. Okay. Are they the same thing or are they different? Developing a That's skill different. on one hand and craving for something that you don't have on the other. They're different. They're different. Okay. All right. So you just asked me is what we are talking about here of feeling good. Isn't that just craving for mm -hmm. something you don't have? Yeah. But what, so is what you're just doing is you just told me that you don't have any control of your feelings at all. And that even if you wanted to have your feelings, mm -hmm. uh, the, if you wanted to ha control your feelings, you would only wind up back in bad feelings of craving for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I completely agree with that, 100%, okay. that craving for things that you don't have is dukkha. In fact, that's actually the definition of it. When you, when you see uh, occasionally the actual definitions of the Buddha by dukkha, wanting things that we don't have, putting up with things that are difficult to put up with, are mm -hmm. in fact uh, definitions of dukkha. Mm -hmm. So, wanting things that you don't have, you don't even have to use the word craving, you can just use the word wanting. Mm -hmm. Wanting things that you don't have is mm -hmm. suffering. Yes. Developing a skill is completely different. Mm -hmm. Why? Because even in the early stages of the development of the skill, you're still exhibiting that skill. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. 
So if you practice satisfaction, then when you find yourself being dissatisfied with that dissatisfaction, you can catch that and say, wait a minute, I would rather do without that dissatisfaction with my my satisfaction Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the satisfaction as it is now. Mm-hmm. In that regard, we are not craving something that we don't have. We're actually developing it in this present moment. Okay, I see. Okay. And so, back to the whole point then about if you cannot uh, control your breath, then how can you control your feelings? And I just gave you the secret of how to control your feelings. Mm-hmm. To develop okay. the skill of... You have to develop the skill by practicing that skill. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Easy uh, example of that (laughs) is is that if you wanted to play the piano, bought a piano, bought a bunch of books for the piano, got a teacher for the piano, had your first lesson on the piano, and then do not practice the piano, Mm -hmm. do you expect the piano and the books and the teacher to do it for you so that you wind up being a piano player even though you don't do the practice? Of course not. Okay. Well, even if you did practice, maybe it's football you practice or the violin. Is that going to teach you how to play the piano? No. No. So it's actually the piano itself that you have to practice. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So that means that if you're going to develop or practice joy, you have to practice joy itself, Mm -hmm. not something else. Hoping that if I practice this, then joy will happen. No, if you want joy, you have to practice the joy. Mm-hmm. I see. This is uh, also part of the uh, uh, grasping or jumping on mm-hmm. or falling upon or confronting or seizing the object of meditation. Okay. And that we learn to do this with our feelings by doing it first with the breath. Mm-hmm. to learn to take a long, deep in-breath. Now, that long, deep in-breath does not have to be a 10-minute breath, just a little bit longer than what we're normally doing. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay? Uh, some people find it convenient to count, like mm-hmm. up to four or up to five on the in-breath and then up to five on the out-breath and then maybe wait a couple of accounts and then take another deep in-breath. This is a way to do it. But the important point, surprisingly enough, is that by controlling it like this, every time that you take a deep breath, you have to remember that you're actually taking a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Yes. You have to remember that, which this is sati. That's what we mean by mindfully breathing in long and mindfully breathing out long is because we actually have to remember, because if we forget, then the mind will go back to the way that it was and no training has happened. Mm -hmm. The other possibility, they say, is to just watch the breath without um, uh, trying to control it. That means that you've got no investment, Mm -hmm. no involvement, Mm -hmm. no impingement, and... Therefore, the mind is completely unattached to the breath and can fit her right away into nowhereville, right off into hindrances. Mm-hmm. So the people who practice the way that you are talking about of not actually seizing, grasping, taking hold, and applying the right effort, they generally <clears throat> wind up spending a whole lot more time in hindrances. Mm-hmm. And then they call that meditation. Yeah. And I think I have actually very good um, um, experience of this because I often practiced uh, Zazen or, uh, or what they do is they see this meditation without object of meditation in which you have, you are not grasping at anything. You just look uh, things that arise, they are born, they develop, then they die, and that's just, everything is like this, the breath, ear, uh, sounds, noises, 
uh, lights, um, vibrations, right. everything. And so okay. there is the thoughts, all of it, you just have to, the, the instruction is generally to just observe it and then let it go. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Guess what? The observing and the letting go is very temporary because it's not developed as a skill. Therefore, it winds up being no, not a lot of letting go. And this is why meditation winds up taking 20 or 30 years or sometimes no real improvements at all. Okay. Because they're not developing the skill. They call it meditation practice. <laughs> and then they're not practicing anything. Mm-hmm. They're not actually developing the skill. And yet in the Anapanasati Sutta of the Buddha, they, uh, the actual verb is to train the mind, mm -hmm. to train in sukha, to train in pity, to mm -hmm. train in uh, relaxing the body, to mm -hmm. train in gladdening the mind, mm -hmm. to train in seeing anicca, and then train at seeing the flittering and fading away. Mm -hmm. Actually, like I said, jump on, fall upon, seize upon, not just merely note the arising and the passing away, mm -hmm. but grab that passing away. Okay. Okay, so, uh, but we're talking about a fairly advanced level right now. We're talking about next month. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> okay. But in all cases, it still has the quality of grasping the object. Yes, okay. Okay. Uh, and so we start that with Anapanasati to grasp, to take hold of the breath. This is why the Buddha says that to be mindful of that this is a long, deep in-breath. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then to grab hold of it to make it make sure that it's a long, deep out breath. Now that doesn't take a lot of effort, mm -hmm. but it does take some effort. Yes. This is what we would call right noble effort. Just enough effort to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then there is another aspect to right effort, which is even more profound than this. Uh, but in this case, we have to go visit some other suttas to find out that uh, one's right effort actually has other qualities. The effort is to set several things right. One is that we're setting the body right mm -hmm. by taking deep breaths. We set the body right with deep breathing because now we're oxygenating the body. We're making it alive. In fact, we could actually rid ourselves of a bit of tiredness. Mm -hmm. By taking a few deep breaths. If we feel tired, take a few deep breaths, we'll feel better. Also, seizing the out-breath means that we're throwing things out already. We're already getting into the, you know, the arising and passing away you've probably heard of, okay? <laughs> this is the passing away, throwing it out, getting rid of it, going off, out, <laughs> out already. And in the uh, sense of the body, that out already has to do with carbon dioxide mm -hmm. and other poisons that are in the bloodstream that can mm -hmm. be breathed out if we would only do the breathing. Mm -hmm. But when we're breathing shallow, that means that stuff builds up, poisons in the body, and that's why we wind up feeling uh, anxiety mm -hmm. and tiredness. Or a glum, dull, sick feeling is because the body hasn't been able to literally, uh, with the blood, take a dump. <laughs> In a way, you could think of this as taking a mental dump, taking a, 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 a breathing dump, taking an emotional dump, and they all have the same quality of taking a dump in the toilet. In the sense that, imagine that you had the urge to go to the toilet. You needed to do it. There's no toilet around. There's no bathroom in sight. Driving down the road, finally you uh, stop at a gas station because hopefully you've got a toilet. You go there, you sit down on the toilet, and oh, what a relief. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. That, oh, finally. 
because mm-hmm. it was dangerous out there. I mean, I could have crapped in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a relief. So we need to find that sort of sense of relief right there with the breathing. Mm-hmm. Just that out breath is that kind of dump in the sense of. <sighs> okay. Okay. This is why we want to seize that breath is because we're putting it to good use. We're actually throwing out poisons out of the blood. We're also doing that with the mind in the sense of the attitude. So one's right effort now, going back to taking the effort to take a dump. Mm -hmm. That's why they call it taking a dump. I don't know why they take it. (laughs) Yes, good question. (laughs) but what a relief it is it's like a medicine to throw all of that garbage out okay to take out the trash is another way of thinking of it Mm -hmm. so this taking out of the trash we also want to see that at uh the mental level Mm -hmm. now at the mental level we would talk about it at two basic levels one would be overall the way that we look at the world the Mm -hmm. view that we have of the world Mm -hmm. what we like and what we don't like that we decide is good and bad Mm -hmm. we need to start revisiting that Mm -hmm. and then one's right effort is start to develop a right uh view Mm -hmm. so one's right effort is to develop right view and sati is to remember to have right view so uh, right view right effort and right sati run a circle around each other in a very tight little circle we have to wake up to remember that we're going to clean out the mind, to see things in a more wholesome way, mm-hmm. okay? And then the next point is uh, that we one's right effort is not just to remove the wrong attitude or the wrong viewpoints and take on right viewpoints, but also in this very moment, this very thought, to look at it and say, is this thought wholesome? Or is it unwholesome? And if it is unwholesome, then we're going to take the effort to throw that out and to replace it with a wholesome thought. Mm -hmm. Okay, now this is something different than the Mahasi method. The Mahasi's method says just to note. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is not noting... uh, how to say it? We're we won't, we're only going to note enough to recognize that this is garbage to be taken out. Okay. Once you see that it's just in the garbage, unless there's, you're desperate about something, you're unlikely to go through and pull the garbage apart again and inspect it. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's what the noting system is all about. You keep taking the garbage out and inspecting it. And after you get it all inspected, you're still surrounded by garbage. You put it back in the garbage, and now you come and note it again. You pull it out, okay? No, we're going to do our noting after we've taken the garbage out. We're not going to be noting the garbage. Okay, okay. Okay? So that means, then, that we're going to uh, note enough to see, is this thought wholesome or is it unwholesome? Mm -hmm. And it may likely be wholesome. There may be nothing wrong with it. In fact, the job that you've got to do is to begin to look and investigate and use the skills you have to determine, is this thought wholesome or is it not? Mm -hmm. Now, the beginner is going to go with a whole lot of false positives in the sense of saying, yeah, this thought's wholesome, it's okay. And only a few halts are unwholesome and need to be removed. That's the easy Mm -hmm. way out. What about thoughts that are neither wholesome nor unwholesome? Pardon? Uh, thoughts that are not wholesome but are not unwholesome either. What do you do with them? If they are uh, not whole, not unwholesome and not wholesome, they are definitely unwholesome. Okay. Why is that? Why have them at all? <laughs> Why not sit and just be joyful instead of having thoughts that are going no place? And in fact, if you inspect them, it's probably not just random thoughts, but it's planning thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're actually giving yourself work to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's better for those kind of junk thoughts. But in the in that regard, yes, this is exactly you're asking just the right kind of questions. What is wholesome? What is unwholesome? Mm-hmm. Definitely th- thoughts uh, to harm someone, to take something, to uh, trash talk them, to put them down. Any of those kind of thoughts then would be unwholesome. Yes. Okay. And then thoughts of this present moment. This is nice. This is joyful. This is wonderful. This, 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 this is okay. That would be a wholesome thought. Okay. So you could say then that the easy way of looking at it is, is that the thoughts that are about the past or thoughts about the future or thoughts about someplace else, not here, mm-hmm. are unwholesome. Mm-hmm. So you could say that there is here and then there is the world. Yes. What is the world? The world outside of our close vicinity. Mm-hmm. But there's another way of looking at the world, and that is the world that you can contact and experience in the, in the sense of the world in your vicinity. Mm-hmm. The world in your vicinity is the world that you have contact with and that you have influence on, and it has influence on you. Mm-hmm. That which is beyond your immediate boundaries out there mm-hmm. is a different kind of world. I see. So if you have thoughts about someplace else, if you're in Timbuktu and you have thoughts of Chicago, that's an unwholesome thought because mm-hmm. you're not there. And if you think enough about Chicago, you'll be packing your bags in Timbuktu for no reason at all, because Timbuktu's a nice place. (laughs) If your mind is right. (laughs) Okay? So, this is a way of thinking at anything, any thoughts that are in the past, any thoughts that are in the future, any thoughts of a job to be done, Mm -hmm. any thoughts of doing a job or an activity, Mm-hmm. are all unwholesome in the sense that they take you away from the enjoyment of this present moment. Okay, the Buddha was really big on this present moment. <laughs> so big, in fact, he gave himself that name. Mm-hmm. That's what he called himself. didn't call himself the Buddha, he called himself uh, Tathagata, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which means... Uh, the two words in it is uh, gata and mm-hmm. uh, tatha. Mm-hmm. So tathaga, uh, tathagatha, means, uh, the word tathatha means right here, right now, this. Mm-hmm. This place, this moment, this place, this time, this, this here. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. But it's translated into English a uh, hundred years ago using a 300-year-old word, mm-hmm. which is the word thus. Mm-hmm. So they wind up calling him the thus-gone one, and then they misunderstand the whole concept of what Tathagatha means. What the Tathagatha, it doesn't mean to go, it means to come. To mm-hmm. come, be here in this present moment. So any kind of thought that you have that will take you someplace else or take you to another time or give you work to do, Mm-hmm. Is a hindrance for you to be in this present moment. Okay. Okay. That's an easy way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, also, there's another way of understanding what is a wholesome thought and what's an unwholesome thought is is that the number of unwholesome thoughts is vast, <laughs> and the number of wholesome thoughts is quite small. Mm-hmm. And there's many ways that we can talk about it. One would be that you could say that a lie would be unwholesome and the truth would be wholesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if I ask you your age and you gave me the approximate year that's correct, there would only be one number. Mm-hmm. But if you were intending to lie, then I could ask you a hundred times and get a hundred different answers. Yes. Right? Okay. So now we can put that, in fact, Uh, unwholesome thoughts have the quality of being delusional because they're not real. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're delusional because they're not real in the sense if you think about an email that you saw on the uh, uh, laptop, 
but now you're sitting in meditation and the laptop's closed and shut off. Mm -hmm. And we still think about that email. We're thinking in delusional thinking now. And yeah. we start thinking about writing that email. And there's no writing to be done because the laptop's off and over there somewhere. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. so thinking about activities or jobs to do then would also be realmed in the unwholesome. Yes. Okay, now there is actually a kind of truth that is long-term and long-lasting. And because of that, we call that kind of truth noble. Mm -hmm. An example is, in fact, the word fact is kind of a temporary uh, truth. Mm -hmm. When I say that the car is in the yard or the dogs are in the yard mm -hmm. and they are in the yard, then that's the truth. It's a fact, yeah. but they may not always be in the yard. Mm -hmm. OK, so but some things are always true. Mm -hmm. And when they're always true, then we can call them noble. OK. This is why we call the Four Noble Truths noble, is mm -hmm. because it's always true. Mm -hmm. And the first noble truth is there is dukkha, mm -hmm. yes. which means there is always some dukkha around mm -hmm. in the minds of men. There it is. The question is, is it way out there or is it proximate here? Mm -hmm. Okay. The second noble truth is noble because it's always the case. Mm -hmm. And that is, is that dukkha has a cause. Mm -hmm. And that whole word, that whole idea and, and the word cause is very important. Mm -hmm. Because Buddhism is built upon cause and effect. Yes. The Pali is itiapapajayata. A very quick example is what fire burns without a fuel? All fires are known by the fuel that they burn. Grass fires, house fires, car fires, hearts on fire, burning <laughs> with desire. Okay. What fire burns without a fuel? I don't know. <laughs> that means then that actually the fire of dukkha has to have a fuel, doesn't it? There's got to be a cause to it. Yes. And that cause, then, we come to understand, is not from outside. It's not from the world. Mm -hmm. yeah, the cause is a proximate cause. Yeah. So the cause yeah. of dukkha is what we're doing inside of our own mind. Mm -hmm. Wanting things we don't have is one of those causes, which you just mentioned. But you talked about, isn't that clinging? Well, no, there's a difference between uh, wanting something that's immediately available mm -hmm. and wanting something that you can't have. Yes. Okay. One of them is called gratification. Mm -hmm. And the other one is called dukkha. <laughs> okay. When you don't get what you want, that's dukkha. So this is the cause of dukkha, is wanting things, in fact, that we don't have. But there's another element to that, and that is, is that we don't even know that. Mm -hmm. If there's ignorance, yeah. then. Ignorance all over the place. If we really saw what was going on, then we would automatically be enlightened. Mm -hmm. Yep. But real cause of the fact that humans are suffering is because they clutch their way into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we would not be uh, greedy for things that we cannot have mm -hmm. if we knew that that was harmful for us. Yes. Yeah. So then we wouldn't want things that we don't have, then there would be no cause for suffering. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So. If we think of them as unwholesome thoughts are generally associated with wanting something. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Wanted to fix something that's broken, wanting to do some job, wanting to see someone, wanting to tell somebody off, wanting to finish an argument. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes about what things that we have. I'm a no, no, no. I'm angry. I'm a no, no. Um. Things that we have that we don't want to possess, such as yeah, anger, unwholesome feelings. Well, actually, wanting things that we don't have 
we can look at that in reverse in the sense that what I really want is for this thing to go away yes. and it won't go away. So mm-hmm. what I uh, so when I say wanting something that I don't have, it's distance mm-hmm. <laughs> that sometimes uh, we understand that things are proximate cause when in fact they really are distant. Mm-hmm. When it but. Uh, we are under the delusion that they are close by, close at hand. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we understand that we're going to actually, part of the discernment then, or part of the investigation is to find out what's interior and what's exterior, mm-hmm. what's inside and what's outside, what's way out there and mm-hmm. what's approximately around. Mm-hmm. This is part of the investigation is to find out what's interior and what's exterior. And we can do that even with the breathing. We can breathe, noticing what happens to the body on the outside of the body. And then we can breathe, noticing what happens with the breathing on the inside of the body. Mm-hmm. We can start putting our awareness inside and feeling it from the inside also. So this is one of the things that we can do with the, with the breathing while we're actively controlling it. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to actively monitor what's on the mind so that we can begin to change that, too, from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. And we're going to actively do something about it. In fact, there is a famous statement in the in the Pali that is the statement that comes out of the time when the Buddha was sitting under the bow tree figuring out the Four Noble Truths and Paticca Samuppada and all of this little package of goodies that he came up with. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a linchpin or there is a connecting rod for all of that, mm-hmm. which is one little statement. Mm-hmm. And that statement is, aha, I see you, Mara. <laughs> now that, in fact, encompasses quite a lot of the Eightfold Noble Path right there in that one statement. Aha, uh-huh, I see you, Mara, means that now we can see the distinction between the me and the Mara. Yes. Which a lot of people are not able to do. They think I am these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I'm having angry thoughts, then it must be me that's angry. Mm-hmm. No, they're just angry thoughts and angry feelings, not me. And the sati then is to wake up to that, take a look and see what kind of thoughts they are. And when they see that these are angry, unwholesome thoughts, we can then say, because we're like this when we're thinking that way. Oh, angry thought, angry thought, angry thought. And then we wake up and say, oh, I see you. Uh I see what you're doing. Okay. And so we've done a separation here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is actually the gladdening of the mind and is also changing it from the unwholesome into the wholesome. Mm-hmm. Right then and there. Yes, yes. The waking up and the seeing that that was an unwholesome thought was enough to kick us into, aha, I see that. Mm-hmm. So, aha, I see you, Mara, is one's right effort. And okay. it is also the right effort of removing unwholesome thought and putting in a wholesome thought. Yes. The unwholesome thought was the Myra itself and being stuck in it. And the wholesome thought is to drawing the self away from that and say, I see you as something separate from me. Now it's just a thought by the way that's already gone. Mm-hmm. Because yes. now this is the thought. Yes. Okay. And so we can continue then with wholesome thoughts, one after another. Mm-hmm. So that, that aha, I can see you, can actually be done during an in-breath. Because we've already started. I mean, the mind's pretty fast. And we can set up things going in a hurry. By the time you can say, I see you, Mara, you can already be involved with a deep breath. And then the next one would be a deep out breath. Ah, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that email now. And I, have noticed, I have noticed I'm always like a bit uh, delayed. Always, each time I notice something, it has already, it's in general a bit in the past. Like it's uh, always, it's never on the moment. It's exactly, it's always slightly. It's always in the past. That's yes. right. We're always living in the past. We yeah. see things as they pass by. Mm-hmm. 
that when they see them arising, it doesn't mean much of anything. It's when they pass by. And so we need to be able to see both of those occurrences, the arising and the passing away. Yes. But you're right. Every thought, once, aha, I see you, Myra, actually by then, by the time I can say, aha, I see you, Myra, the Myra's gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> already gone. <laughs> so now all we have to do is keep the mind wholesome. Mm-hmm. So, let me tell you a little story about that. Mm-hmm. The little story actually is in a sutta, it's in number 19, and the name of the sutta is Two Kinds of Thoughts. Mm-hmm. Make it really easy for you, right? Two Kinds of Thoughts. They actually named the sutta that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so, there are two kinds of thought, and the Buddha gave the story about the cowherd. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, a cowherd that's it's in India long ago, so this cowherd does not have, uh, he's not a, a range drover with cattle ranches and things like that. He's got four or five cows, maybe, mm-hmm. and he's taking them down the path. But along the path are vendors, people selling food, children running and playing, and this cowherd has to make sure that his cows can get past this little village. Mm-hmm without causing any damage. Mm -hmm. And so he is right there in the middle of those cows with his stick. Mm -hmm. And he's whacking that cow and hitting this one and whatnot like that to keep the cows in order so that they can stay in line Mm -hmm. and do not do any damage. Mm -hmm. But the cow doesn't step on the child or the cow doesn't eat some food off the table. Mm -hmm. And that if he, do, if he is not mindful of his cows at all, they'll be all over the little village eating everything. And then everybody's going to be unhappy at him. <laughs> and he may even, you know, lose his cattle or his life yes. because of the damage they do. So he has to do this. So this whacking of the cow is one's right effort. But it's not that we're harming ourselves but rather that we can congratulate ourselves for I'm glad I'm glad the cow didn't eat that carrot. <laughs> I'm glad the cow didn't eat didn't step on that child or this child. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about in this present moment that we begin to watch our thoughts. Is this thought wholesome? Is this mm-hmm. thought wholesome? Mm-hmm. This is a way of noting Mm-hmm. Our thoughts, but now we're going to catch the unwholesome thoughts, and instead of just letting them on and on and on and on in the unwholesome, while we note that they're there, note they're unwholesome, but we don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to note those thoughts and remove them, mm-hmm. so that we're only going to allow wholesome thoughts in. And as we get fairly good at that, this is one of the first skills that we need to learn to develop. This is the mm-hmm. skill of gladdening the mind, to investigate the mind, what's the content of the mind, and then gladdening the mind. Mm-hmm. Once we've gotten the, the mind gladdened up, which means that once we've got only wholesome thoughts, that's very much like the cow herd having passed through that uh, area, and now he's got them in the pasture. Mm-hmm. There is rice husk, rice stalks, things like that, and the cows are eating. Mm-hmm. So long as the cow, each individual cow has his head down to the ground, they're safe. Mm-hmm. So that means the cowherd doesn't, doesn't have to stand right there with the cows. He knows that they're safe. Mm-hmm. In fact, he can go over there and sit under a tree and sit down and relax. Mm-hmm. Yes. But he's still going to keep an eye on the cows. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it doesn't have to do much more than just keeping an eye on the cow, because as long as the cows have their heads down, they're mm-hmm. not going to wander off. They're going to stay there eating. It's mm-hmm. only when the cow's head comes up and he starts looking around at things that then we have to pay attention. That's like when the hindrances are about to come is because the mind looks up and says, what's around? What's in the past? What's in the future? What's over there? Okay, and as soon as the mind does that, we can pick that up and says, no, let's come back and be wholesome again. (laughs) Let's stay wholesome. Let's keep our head down Mm -hmm. and uh, have only wholesome thoughts and not let it go wandering off. Mm -hmm. Once we get to that point, now we can recognize that this is such a relief. Mm -hmm. Having only one wholesome thought after another. No unwholesome thoughts that give us work to do, give us anxiety, or give us frustrations. 
then we can even relax that. But relaxing that means that we only begin to put a space between the wholesome thoughts. Mm-hmm. But each thought is wholesome, one after another after another. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the body-mind complex, when we have only wholesome thoughts, thoughts of, of how nice things are, how wonderful they are, we begin now to talk ourselves into feeling good. Mm-hmm. With all of these wholesome thoughts, you can say that, yeah, you spent years talking yourself into feeling bad with unwholesome thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to talk ourselves into feeling good with wholesome thoughts. Mm-hmm. So having thoughts of safety, thoughts of security, thoughts of comfort, mm-hmm. thoughts of being at ease, thoughts of no place to go and nothing to do, no work to do. All the work that was to be done has already been completed, and now nothing is left to do. Mm-hmm. Now, that's relaxation for you, is when you've got nothing left. you you you're, you got your plate not only empty, but clean. This is a bit like meta-meditation, no? Well, meta is can be used, the things that people call meta and put in a box called meta mm-hmm. are actually nothing but wholesome thoughts. Yes. But it's a small part of the kind of wholesome thoughts that they could be. That, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, having wholesome thoughts about someone else out there is dangerous because those might become unwholesome simply because they're out there. They're about people mm-hmm. who are not here. If you want to have good meta, have it for somebody right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So if you're going to have meta then we should do metta with what's right here, which is, again, these wholesome thoughts. My, isn't this a wonderful place? A wonderful, everything's nice right here, right now. Yes. If the dog is all that's here, then isn't the dog marvelous? <laughs> Everything goes to the dog right here. <laughs> Everything is wholesome. Everything is joyous in this present moment. So, yes, it is related to metta. Okay. Having thoughts of metta are wholesome thoughts. Mm-hmm. And we need to practice wholesome thoughts over and over and over again so that when we finally get up off the meditation cushion and going out there, we continue with the wholesome thoughts. What's the problem? What's the point of having uh, metta for Jim? while we're sitting in meditation, mm-hmm. and when we go out and say hi to Jim, and he gives us a snarl because he remembers the argument that we had, and now we're back fighting again. So what value was it that you did matter for him if you can't bring it to him while he's out there? Mm-hmm. Right, that's the time for the meta is when he's snarling. I see. But we have to practice the meta mm-hmm. in the sitting. The real meta is uh, performance. We've got to do that out there. So mm-hmm. that's the place for the meta. Uh, let's leave that off for a while and, and concentrate or more focused on what needs to be done to keep the mind wholesome mm-hmm. right here, right now, including the fact that if you are doing meta with someone, then how are you going to feel with them? You're going to feel safe and secure. So let's concentrate also and talk about those things. You're going to feel safe and secure. You're going to feel confident. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel satisfied. And that's the big one. Mm -hmm. Satisfaction. Everything's okay right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we have to talk ourselves into the state of feeling satisfied. And many of the meditation teachers think that if that you can talk yourself into lightly doing it just by saying, oh, well, la-di-da, that's, uh, um, uh, don't try to be happy because mm-hmm. that's clinging to happiness, you know, that kind of thing. And then whatever happens in the real world and the hindrances just pop back in. Mm-hmm. We have to have the skill, the training to remove these unwholesome thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's the skill that has to be developed. Mm -hmm. This is one's right effort. Mm -hmm. And this is a skill in the Anapanasati Sutta, most specifically, uh, skill number 10, to gladden the mind while you're mindfully breathing in and to gladden the mind while you're 
mindfully breathing out. Mm -hmm. And when we do that with, uh, in the right way, in the right frame, then we begin to feel that way too. Mm -hmm. And to feel that sukha mm -hmm. pleasure. We begin to feel that satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And when we practice that over and over and over again, so that you know that you can get yourself back into this state of sukha over and over again, because this is a skill that we're practicing, Mm -hmm. Now the fourth item of the Eightfold Noble Path begins to play its game. Mm -hmm. And that is Sama Sankapa, or one's right attitude. Mm -hmm. The right attitude then is, I can do this. The right attitude is, hey, I can get myself into a really good state no matter what. Mm -hmm. All right. And so now we can go out with confidence so that when Jim or whoever starts arguing with us the way that he was arguing with us when we were trying to do meta, mm -hmm. we have the confidence, hey, I can handle this. <laughs> I'm not going to have to argue with him now because I've got the confidence that I need. Mm -hmm. okay. So while we're practicing, we're developing the skills then of uh, enthusiasm. That enthusiasm will actually build into euphoria. Mm -hmm. And that euphoria is the pity. The euphoria, I think, would be kind of like the cow herd has finally gotten the cows off of the path and into the field. Mm -hmm. oh, wow, what a relief. <laughs> and now we can take it easy. Now we've gotten them all in line and they're all now wholesome. Mm -hmm. And so the joy of being able to keep the cows in line is uh, euphoric. Mm -hmm. yes. But as we get the cows in line and stay in line, now we don't have to have that euphoria anymore, that euphoria, that uh, um, uh, strong enthusiasm can also take a rest, mm -hmm. come to peace. Mm -hmm. And so one by one, we begin to drop these factors. And the first thing that we drop would be um, unwholesome thoughts. Mm -hmm. And while we do that, we're picking up several new skills. One is the, the ability to apply the mind so that we can keep it wholesome. Mm -hmm. And the other is the benefit of the feelings of feeling pity and sukha. Mm -hmm. These are all jhana factors for the first jhana. Mm -hmm. Yes. Viti, sukha, uh, a removal of the hindrances, and applied and sustained thought. Mm -hmm. Once we have that as a full-on skill developed, so you can pop into first jhana any time that you want to, mm -hmm. and maintain it as long as you want to, mm -hmm. and there'll be a time when you want to go out of it because you want to go back to some stupid thing that you thought of and the hindrance came up and <laughs> out you go but we want to maintain it as long as we can mm -hmm. right but if we can do that and we have that skill now we want to begin to put some gaps into those wholesome thoughts mm -hmm. the applied and sustained quality of the thought now begins to melt away mm -hmm. where all we have left now is the pity the sukha uh, the comfortable, the enthusiasm, the uh, unification of mind, and all of those things, which are now what is worthy of noting. Mm -hmm. We're no longer in the state of wanting to note um, unwholesome things. We're only going to be noting uh, the phenomenon as they arise and they pass away, mm -hmm. including confidence to note that, yeah, I know I've got it. I know I can do this. We, we note that this is pity. We note that mm -hmm. this is sutta. We note that this is enthusiasm. We note that this is feeling, perception, consciousness, <laughs> unification of mind. So actually in this state is when we begin to pay attention to the various aspects of Paticca Samukhata. Mm -hmm. This is where we go into the second noble truth in depth of mm -hmm. what is it that makes up this, this mind thing that's here? What is perception? Mm -hmm. What is feeling? Now, at this level of the game, we are not going to the, to the deep end of Paticca Samuppada. And when I say the deep end, I'm talking about um, Tanha, Upadana, 
Baba Jati Dukkha, those mm-hmm. last five, which are grasping, clinging, being reborn into a woeful state, mm-hmm. and then enduring that woeful state would be the way that we would say it in English. Okay? okay. Why? Why? We're not going to be uh, noting any of that. <laughs> because the mind is free from it now. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Okay. This is why we're not going to be noting that stuff is because that's to be There's noted to note. There's nothing when to note. it's there. Pardon? <laughs> that they, you are not noting it because there is nothing to note. Well, eventually that's exactly what will happen. As we shut down things one by one, as we see them, then the first thing that shuts down, then after we get all the jhana factors together, mm-hmm. we begin to eliminate them one by one. Mm-hmm. So that the only thing that's left is the mental process. Mm-hmm. And when the mental process is left, then we can investigate that so that we come to the succession of uh, perceptions and feelings. Mm-hmm. We come to the separation from consciousness to perception, which is called neither perception nor non-perceptions because we're separating them. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happening in the higher jhanas, mm-hmm. but it's there to be observed. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Because yes. why is because we've got the skills uh, to see what the mind is doing because we've eliminated all of the other things that we that had gotten into the way. Mm-hmm. This does not take long. Mm-hmm. What takes the students a long, long time is to learn how to get into first jhana and maintain it. Mm-hmm. Once the first jhana is a fully developed skill, the second, third, fourth, etc., Nothing to it. Mm-hmm. They're natural states. Mm-hmm. If you can get your mind to the point that it's one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought with nothing but wholesome thoughts, one after another, mm-hmm. with the associated feelings of pleasure, mm-hmm. euphoria, mm-hmm. joy, mm-hmm. gladness, wisdom, laughing wisdom. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the first jhana that needs to be developed. Mm-hmm. And once we develop that, then the other parts of it is not so hard. Yes. One of the ways that I use this is the example is a violin. Mm-hmm. Okay. For, for a violin to play one note mm-hmm. means that it's got to have one string, but it has to have the whole rest of the violin. Mm-hmm. It's got to have the nut and the curl and the, and the, uh, the, uh, the fingerboard and the bridge and the body and all of that kind of stuff. It's got all to be ready together to get one string strong so that you can tighten that up and play one note, mm-hmm. right? That's what it takes to get the first jhanas. You need a violin <laughs> to play that first note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second, third, and fourth notes are easy enough by adding a new string. Mm-hmm. But the okay. real work is that first jhana. Mm-hmm. I see. And the way and the key to that first jhana is one wholesome thought after another, after another, after another, till you can apply and sustain the 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 mind in that wholesome state that gives rise to those feelings of pity and sukha, mm-hmm. because it's completely free from all of the stuff that the Mahasi student is spending their time noting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which are the hindrances. And that's why there are things like dark nights of the soul, misery, disgust, uh, fearfulness, desire for escape. Mm-hmm. You know, the stages of, of insight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. So, day one, we're going to finish that stuff right away. Good. <laughs> why? Because the, the things that cause them is the fact that the students are noting the hindrances so well that they become absolute experts at um, garbage separation. <laughs> and they spend all their time in the garbage pit. Oh, that's a bottle. Oh, that's a cup. Oh, that's a piece of paper. Oh, that's cardboard. You know, and that's all they're doing is just spending all their time in the garbage, mm-hmm. sorting it out. That's what leads to disgust and misery and fearfulness and all of that. We're going to say, wait a minute. I'm going to do my noting someplace else, not in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, Will. So this is how we do anapanasati. Yeah, we're going to stop noting garbage, one piece of garbage after another, and we're going to only note it enough. That, oh, this is garbage. And that's all we need. Once we recognize this is garbage, out it goes. Okay. So we begin to have one wholesome thought after another, after another, after another, but this requires right effort. Mm -hmm. A lot of effort. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you can say that somebody's putting in a lot of effort, wholesome, 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 and then an unwholesome thought comes up and they see that unwholesome thought and they say, damn, and I was so good at it already. Well, now he's had another unwholesome thought and another one after that. <laughs> no, we yeah. have to catch that unwholesome thought as unwholesome and then bring it back to wholesome. Mm -hmm. Very common for the students to complain about monkey mind and they're, uh, I'm especially familiar with the Goenka retreats because I did so many of them. Mm -hmm. And in the Goenka retreat, the idea is, is that uh, the students on, on day one, they don't quite understand it, but by day six, they're going nuts because all they see is monkey mind. The monkey mind is just jumping, 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 jumping. Well, it may have not been doing all of that jumping on day six if on day one their instructions were, hey, when you see that monkey jump, sit him back down and pet him and say, mm -hmm. nice monkey, no place to go, everything is okay, and we're going to get along just fine. Mm -hmm. It's only when we're antagonizing the monkey that it keeps jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we antagonize our own mind. And so that's part of the reasons why it's jumping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so instead of uh, the student then, never mind, start again, like uh, uh, Goenka says, they see the mind as a monkey mind. They know that they're not meditating by watching the breath by seizing the breath. And instead, what they do is they say, oh no, there it comes again. That monkey mind is so much of a trouble. I wish I could get rid of this monkey mind. Well, guess what? That's all hindrance. Mm -hmm. We need to see that stuff and recognize that we do that to ourselves. We are critical. Mm -hmm. And so we become critical of even our meditation. Mm -hmm. So what I'm inviting you to do is instead of being critical of your meditation, how are you doing? Always be nurturing with your meditation. You're doing fine. Mm -hmm. There's no place to go and nothing to do and no results to gain. So why are you judging yourself? Are you good enough yet? You're already good enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're okay. already enlightened. There's no job that needs to be done now. Mm -hmm. It's time relax everything is okay this is the right way to practice is to get ourselves into that nurturing wholesome environment of the mind where everything is all right wow how nice can that be mm -hmm. this is the way of practice okay is, is to change the uh the content of the mind to being something wholesome. Mm -hmm. Now, next time you call, we'll talk about some other kinds of wholesome thoughts. But right now, we can think of uh, the kind of thoughts that are wholesome are how good does it feel, how nice things are, mm -hmm. everything is okay in this present moment, and also the truths that are noble are always true, which mm -hmm. means they're always relevant. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is something. Catch it. Mm -hmm. This is the cause of suffering. Notice that. Aha, I see you, Myra. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we can do the third noble truth. Wow, it is so nice to be finished with that. Whew. Mm -hmm. And to think I actually had an unwholesome thought. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to have another one. <laughs> there you go. That's third noble truth. And that is so noble. And mm -hmm. then we can reflect upon the four noble, uh, the eightfold noble path. This is one's right view. This is one's right effort. This is one's <laughs> right sati. This is one's right attitude. Gaining one unification of mind, where the mind feels organized and whole. We're not split apart with this part of the mind hating this part and this part being a victim to this part. No, we bring it all together and unified. 
Okay. And so yeah. that's the Eightfold Noble Path. So in fact, by doing this gladdening of the mind, we're actually doing the Eightfold Noble Path and we're practicing the Four Noble Truths. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that Third Noble Truth, go practice that one. <laughs> wow, this is so nice. No worries, no problems, no suffering, no dukkha. Mm -hmm. Everything okay. That's fun. That's good. <laughs> but it does take some effort. Mm -hmm. Not too much effort, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. The effort to change your breath, the effort to seize the breath, the effort to make it long and slow, yeah. the effort that it takes to recognize that these thoughts are unwholesome and to throw them out mm -hmm. and then take the right effort to bring in only wholesome thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's one right effort. Okay. Okay, if you take that effort, there's nothing left to do. <laughs> That's all the effort there is to it. That's why it's noble, noble mm -hmm. effort. Just a little bit. Okay. That's good. That's all right. Good. Well, let's finish now. I think that we've got a pretty good handle on what to practice. That was an important question that you asked in the beginning. Thanks for asking that. Do you think you've got it cleared up now? Yes, it was uh, yeah, very, very. I actually, actually, I had follow-up questions, but they were all cleared up throughout the explanation. So I don't even remember now what they were. I just thought, oh, this was my question. Oh, he answered it already. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you. All thank right. You. Okay, well, we'll see you in a few days then. Yes, see you next week. Okay, Martin. Bye-bye. Have a nice week. Bye-bye.